I'm Chad Roberts, and I'm your Bible teacher today on this edition of Awakened to Grace. Today we are in part two of a great sermon called Full Assurance of Hope. Do you have assurance of your salvation, or do you often struggle? Do you live in fear? Are you afraid that when you die, you're not going to ultimately be saved? Well, let me share with you, my precious friends, from God's Word. God wants you to have full assurance of salvation. He wants you to be fully secure and fully assured in Jesus Christ that you belong to Him, if indeed you are born again. Well, friends, today I'm going to show you out of the Word of God how you can lay hold of, you can take possession of, you can acquire, you can obtain full assurance of salvation. Well, let's get to it today, Hebrews chapter 6, on this edition of Awakened to Grace. But Ephesians 2.10 is very clear. You and I are created in Christ Jesus for what? Anybody know the scripture? Good works. You are created in Christ for good works. So should God not expect good works to flow from his children? From his field where the rain falls upon it, it should produce a great crop. I heard, I heard this in a commentary, and I don't know where it originates from, but it struck me. And you may want to write this down. As rays of light are inseparable from the sun as heat is inseparable from fire good works ought to be inseparable from genuine believers what a word what a word as rays of sunlight are inseparable from the sun, heat is inseparable from the fire, good work, spiritual fruit ought to be inseparable from a true believer. Praise God. So what are these things belonging to salvation? What are these things? Verse 7, it is the spiritual crop your life produces. Now, let me prove it to you. Verse number nine, uh, 10, rather. Look what he says in verse 10. He is going to point out the spiritual fruit of the Hebrews. He's going to say, for God is not unjust. Remember, we've said really hard things. But toward you, beloved, greatly loved by God, you who you possess eternal life, things of salvation belong to you. You have acquired it. God's not unjust to overlook so as to overlook what? He's going to name three things. Your works, the love that you have shown to God, to the name of God, 
to his name, it actually says, by serving the saints as you do. Now, let's break this down. What does he mean by your work? Now, again, let's make this crystal clear. While you cannot be saved by good works, just as a farmer should have an expectation of a crop that he has sown, God has an expectation of good works from your life. So the scriptures teach us, what did Jesus say? No one takes a candle stand in his home and places a bowl over it. Wouldn't that be counterproductive? So what does Jesus say? So let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works. Because when men see your good works, it makes them applaud you. No, that's not what the scriptures say. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that men may see your good works and that they may glorify God. That is part of you glorifying God is by serving others. Scripture teaches we ought to be zealous over good works. Scriptures teach we ought to be rich toward God in good works. Good works are not bad, my friends. It is if you depend on them for salvation. But if your salvation is anchored only in Christ, then as the rain of God's word falls on your life, good works are going to be produced out of you. And so he says, God's not unjust to overlook your work. Praise God for that. And and, and we believe that work there is not a one-time act. That is the collection of the way that you live. And now he's going to drill down even more. And look what he says. Your work, but also the love you have shown toward his name. I love this. What is it to love the name of God? It means to love all of who God is. If you've never listened to my series on the names of God, I would encourage you to go back on the Awakened to Grace app. And I don't remember the name of that series. Well, huh. What did we call it? The God of. That's what we called it. Go back and search the God of. And we go back through the Old Testament scriptures and we show all, not all, but we show a good collection of the names that God revealed about himself. Why? Because do you know what a name reveals? A name reveals God's character. When God teaches us his name, El Shaddai, Elohim, Rohi. When God teaches us his various names, do you know what he wants us to know? He wants us to know, trust, and love his character. And listen what the author says. The love you have shown. I love that word shown. You ought to circle that word because you know what it means? It means to make a public display. These were not secret Christians. These were not people. Matter of fact, when we come at some point to Hebrews chapter 10, we'll see how they were persecuted for the name of God. We'll see how many of them were arrested for the name of God. And we'll see how they 
had their properties plundered, but their joy was in Jesus, not material things. They publicly showed their love for the name of God. And what's that mean? That means all that God is, his personality, his character, his faithfulness, his love, his covenant. Oh, how many of us today love the name of God? Amen. And we're not ashamed of the name of God. Hallelujah. I want to join these same ranks. And I want to publicly identify. I want to publicly display. I want to publicly show the love that I have for the name of God Almighty. And then what did he say? In the serving of the saints. I love this so much. Church, you displayed this last week. When we came along, our beloved friend and this pastor who has such a great need in his life. And when you made the decision, I'm going to come alongside him and I'm going to help him. You served the saints. Amen. When our brother was here from Romania, when our sister was here from India, when our beloved couple was here from Pakistan, when our brother was here from Switzerland, when our beloved brother and his daughter were here from Cairo, Egypt, all of these various places that you have given, that you have shown interest, that you have prayed and you have financially gave. Let me tell you what you're doing. You're serving the saints. Amen. Many of you are in kids' church, not because you love necessarily being in a room with a ton of children. Although I want you to love that and I want you to feel called toward it. But it's not always easy, is it? Especially when you have a long-winded pastor. I don't need anybody to agree. That's all right. We can save our amens right now. <laughs> it's hard. There are some days when you wake up and you go, oh, man, I got to be back in those environments. And there's so many kids and they're everywhere. And we've tried to, listen, let me tell you, we have busted that side of the church up so many different times, so many different ways. There are no more rooms left. We have one kids' church environment right now in our conference room because there's no more space. And there's too many of them to God's glory. Can we say amen to that? But it's not easy to serve back there. And I know that. And I know this. If Satan's going to cause you to have a headache, let me tell you when it will come. The morning you wake up to serve in kids' church. Is that right or wrong? If there's going to be a little spat with your spouse on the way to church, what morning is it? The morning you serve, wherever you serve. Safety, coffee, tech, parking, wherever. That's how that works. And it's not easy. But why do you serve? Do you serve so that you can be a body filling a slot? No. You serve because you serve the needs of the saints. You serve the needs of the saints. You serve because of the Tegans that we just saw this morning. Amen. 
You serve so that those kids will grow up as lifelong Christ followers. You serve so that Satan never has a field day in their life. Amen? And you serve so that mom and dad or grandma and grandpa can come and hear the teaching of the word of God undistracted. You know what you're doing? You're serving the needs of the saints. Many of you belong to our care team. And when you prepare meals and you drop off a meal at someone's home, I'm telling you right now, that is every bit as valuable and And may I even say, in many ways, it's more valuable than what I do up here. People will not remember sermons that I preach, but they will remember the way you loved on them. They will remember that. They won't remember my outlines, and they won't remember my stories, and they won't remember my jokes but they will remember you coming to their home and praying with them. You know what you're doing? You're serving the needs of the saints. Now, what would happen if every one of us looked at our lives and we said, where could we serve better? How could I serve more? You know why? Let me tell you the motivation. Because God is not unjust to overlook it. He sees every time you love the saints. He sees every time you serve the saints. So let me tell you what I think God's doing, is going to do in our church through the end of this year. i just tell you what I think God's going to do. Not long ago, my kids were immensely excited. I'm talking over the top, lost their minds, excited. Because in our guest bedroom, in the bathroom there, is a little window. It's just a small, singular window on the back of our house. And there's a thick seal, window seal back there. And this mama bird made her nest right in our bathroom window. And she hatched her little eggs. And my kids could not have been more happy about it. And every day, we watched Mama Bird take care of these baby birds. These baby birds just kept their mouths wide open. Heads back, mouth wide open. And Mama Bird would just drop food right in them. And they were, Sadie tells me, they were the ugliest little things you've ever seen in your entire life. (laughs) But how long do you think they stayed in the nest? Not all that long. Before Mama Bird started making it uncomfortable. You know why? Because she knew those little baby birds, they had to fly. They had to eat for themselves. Amen? Amen. Now, say amen if you're with me right now. There's some of you precious people, and I love you. You know I love you. I wouldn't preach so hard if I didn't love you. But some of you 
have sat for a long time with your mouths wide open. And I'm glad, listen, it's my pleasure to drop spiritual food right into you. I love you, baby birds. I'll feed you all day long. Hey, I'll preach all day long, and you know that. You know I'm long-winded. I'll keep giving and giving and giving. I'll feed you to the very best of my ability. But some of you have been in the nest for too long. It's time to serve. It's time to serve. It's time to have spiritual fruit produce out of you. Brothers, sisters, it's God's expectation. Can we say amen today? So you're going to fly, baby bird, and I'm excited for you. You are, and God's going to bless you, and God's going to use you, and God's going to do things through you that you never dreamed that he would do. I promise you that. Verse 11. So we've seen their work. We've seen the love that they've shown, public display for God's name. And we've seen them serving the saints. Now, verse 11. And we desire. That word desire there means an intense longing. It's a good word. We're going to find this word again later in the chapter when we see again God's desire for you to have full assurance. I love that. Link those two desires in chapter 6. And we desire for each one of you. Again, we're not talking those. We're not talking insincere believers. Those who are nominal Christians, I should say. We're talking sincere believers, sincere Christ followers. Each one of you... Help me again. What's it say right there? Oh, come on, Chad. To show. show, That's what I wanted to. (laughs) That's what I wanted to show. (laughs) Oddly enough. To show. Now, Now, watch this. He's saying, you've shown your love for the name of God. You've shown that. Okay? You've done well. Now, show By public display. You know what he's saying, church? He's saying serve. Get out of your comfortable nest and serve. Now, show the same diligence, the same earnestness. Now, before I close today, go to 2 Peter 1. Let me take you there before I close. 2 Peter 1, and look at verse number 8 with me. And just note this, because I want to link the word diligence. 2 Peter 1, verse 8. It says that if these qualities are yours, what qualities? All these things you need to supplement to your faith. Second Peter, thank you. 2 Peter 1, 8. If these qualities are yours, what qualities? Virtue and patience and brotherly affection. and all, He names like six or seven things through there. Godliness. If these things are yours, if these qualities are yours, what are we talking about? Things that belong to salvation. If these things are yours, what's the outcome? What's the effect? What's the spiritual produce? It causes you 
to not be ineffective nor unfruitful. Oh, do you see the word there? What did we say? As a farmer expects a crop, God expects out of your life, you won't be ineffective, worthless, as in thorns and thistles. Verse 8, no, you will be fruitful. Oh, I love that. Now look at verse number 10. Therefore, what's the command? Therefore, make your, with all diligence, make your calling and election sure. Make your salvation sure. Have full assurance is what he's saying. How do you do that? By being Diligent about your faith, not coasting in your faith. Nurturing the good soil, Matthew 13, 23. What is the good soil? The believer who understands and perceives and out of their life produces fruit. And what did Jesus say? Not every believer is going to produce the same amount of fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So how do you go increasing your faith? 2 Peter 1, 4. Uh, 2 Peter 1, 8. If these qualities are yours, and what that word, what, look at the word there. If these qualities are yours and what? Are abounding, are increasing. See, some are 30, some are 60, some are 100 fold. 30, 60, 100. How do you produce more fruit for God's glory? How do you produce more? How do you have it increase in your life? Through diligence. And so he says, show more earnestness. Show more diligence. Why? Because what's the outcome of this? Now look at verse 10. When you make your calling and election sure through diligence, what's going to be the outcome? You're never going to fall. You're never going to stumble. Can we say amen to that today? I want to be diligent about my faith. I want to be diligent in serving God. Why? Because I want to be a crop of spiritual fruit for the glory of God. And when I'm busy doing that and that's my earnestness and that's my diligence, I'm not worried about the state of my salvation. Why? Because I am walking in those good works that I was created in Christ before the foundations of the world were ever laid to walk in them. Let's bow our heads today. Is your life producing as it ought? Do you lack full assurance of hope as he closes this verse? Let me tell you how you get it, church. You don't get it by doing good works. But you get it by living out good works to the glory of God. God has saved you for a purpose. Are you about your father's business? I want you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit right now and say, God, you're welcome to show me. Am I serving at the right capacity? 
Am I producing 30, 60, or 100-fold? Show me, God. And show me where my diligence needs to be. Have you signed up for my weekly devotional email? Every Tuesday, I send out a devotion that will help you grow in your faith. Go to my website, awakentograce.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and when you sign up and submit your email, you'll get a direct message from me every Tuesday. Sign up today at awakentograce.com.